TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Thank you, Alana Kaufman, for joining me, the Chief Executive Officer of the Jews of Color Initiative. Thank you so much. It's great to be here, dude. Thank you. So I'm so excited to talk to you because, you know, February is Black History Month and there's always sort of a certain narrative um, that we think that goes with Black History Month. And what interests me about you and the initiative is it's a little bit outside the box of what people think when they think about Jews and when they think about people of color specifically here in America. So first of all, tell me about what is the Jews of Color Initiative and when you found it. That's great. Uh, The Jews of Color Initiative is an organization. We are a U.S.-based, U.S.-focused organization, and our work centers around anchoring the voices and experiences of Jews of Color here in the United States. And the way we do that is threefold. Uh, We run the country's only and first philanthropic fund focused on Jewish people of color. And we use those funds, we raise those funds from our community, and we use those funds to help build organizations, leaders, new policies and practices. We help fund programs led by and centering and anchoring Jews of color. Um, and we also commission research for the United States focused on Jews of color. And that research is really um, purposed for helping us understand how many Jews of color there are here in the United States, what our experiences and perspectives are of Jews as uh, uh, what our experiences and perspectives are as Jews of color, and then what we can do to help build, sustain, reinforce the U.S. Jewish community to really thrive as a multiracial community, as a community really connected to our Jewish identity, and one that really understands that there's power in being diverse and multiracial, and that's the work of the Jews of Color Initiative. Now, I now where do your interests? I mean, we have to know about you, obviously. Here. Right, right. You know, you're just a voice host. And so, where do your own personal interests come from in starting this initiative? Like, I mean, tell us about you and your background. Right. So, I'm sitting here in my in my office in Berkeley, California, and I um, think it's worth saying I'm I'm 51 years old, and I was born in San Francisco, California, in the Western Edition, which is um, and has been a community that was really rooted in. Uh, black communal identity and actually Japanese American communal identity. Um, I grew up in a context where I was raised in, in Jewish community um, and was part of a, a religious school and a, a religious community. And also my family, my father's family is, um, we live in Texas, Texas City, Texas. And um, so I have a, a black father. I have an Ashkenazi Jewish mother and I was raised um, in my own biracial, multiracial black Jewish identity. 
Mm. Um, I grew up in a Jewish communal context where there were, I could count on one hand the number of, of people in my community who looked like me as a person of color and someone who was Jewish. And to be honest, I was raised in a communal context at that time where the Jewish community didn't really understand or see the diversity of U.S. Jews. And yeah. so the way we were taught, the way we were informed, the way we were reflected our stories back to us was one that really projected whiteness and didn't feel like my own experience. So this was a way really for you to kind of take these experiences that you had and to, I guess, sort of like formalize it into an initiative and an organization to really take charge because you were seeing these sort of, I guess, a lack around you in the community and stuff. Yes. I mean, I had the experience as a Jews of color being yeah. underrepresented and underreflected, but really what I saw was um, a U.S. Jewish community that was that is becoming more diverse mm-hmm. and a lack of capacity and understanding about our own diversity. I love us as a Jewish people. I want U.S. Jews to thrive. And I understood as a social scientist, as someone who loves data, and as somebody who's lived the experience, that if we don't understand how to resist racism and how to embrace ourselves as a multiracial Jewish community, 40% of the world's Jews are here, right here in the United States. A million of us are people of color, and that number gets bigger every day. If we don't know how to love ourselves as a multiracial Jewish community, the strength of U.S. Jewelry ring road, and that's not good for the Jews. And then why do you think the numbers are increasing of Jews of color in the United States? I mean, the numbers of multiracial people are increasing exactly. in the United yeah. States, right? Like by 2043, by 2042, the U.S. is going to be 50% people of color. And so U.S. Jews are just no exception mm-hmm. to the physics of the beauty of the multiracial United yeah. States. We're just part of that. And then was there anything sort of surprising? I mean, you obviously had these personal experiences. You are a Jew of color. But was there anything over, and I will get more into, you know, as the years progressed as the initiative, but just in general, as there something that, you know, like what, what surprised you? I mean, you're smart, you, but you can't know everything, right? I That's mean, right. There's something That's right. you're like, wow, that was a little bit eye-opening. Or is there, or it's sort of the overall, it's kind of what you expected a little bit. I mean, sure. Like on the one hand, I expected and anticipated that Jews of color, that we would have difficult experiences in predominantly white environments. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, like our day schools, our synagogues, our Jewish communal spaces, I anticipated there being headwinds and experiences of racism, for example. I think what I didn't expect was, um, and I knew this, I experienced this anecdotally being in Jewish community. What I didn't expect was, wow, man, how learned Jews of color are, maybe even relative to our peers. Yeah. Um, why, you would ask? Well, because every single time we walk into a Jewish environment, someone's going to challenge us about why we know our prayers or why we're so learning or where, why is our Hebrew so good? And so what you see is Jews of color being over-prepared over-educated, over-engaged Jewishly. And so I'm like, if you need a Jewish, uh, like a religious school teacher, like if you need a Hebrew yeah. school teacher, look at your local Jews of color, because I'm telling you, we are prepared, we are overrepresented, and we're, we're, we're so excited about being engaged. And I love that. But And why do you think that is, that Jews of color, you kind of feel, can almost be more learned about some sort of Jewishness? Do you think it's sort of... I don't want to say, is it like to overcompensate just to really 
to sort of show that they, you know, that Jews of color know their stuff because there are these sort of voices sometimes in the mainstream Jewish community, like you're saying, that maybe we're a little bit surprised that you know this and that. Like, why do you think that is? Well, I mean, I think it's like a couple parallel realities. One is, I mean, it's probably a little bit of like we have to be twice as good and work twice as hard to get exactly. half as far. But on the other hand, like, I mean, I think this is the power of Judaism. Like, once you engage in Jewish life, there are so many opportunities to powerfully and meaningfully connect Jewish text, Jewish thought, Jewish idea to life experiences as people of color, as queer folks, as women, as Jews. We know what it's like to be challenged with our power, to be challenged with our identity, to be challenged with our concepts of, 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 of what is ethical. And those questions we always experience as people of color or people who with multiple identities and Jewish text, Jewish thought gives us a deep pathway to that. So we, we might, we might, you know, reach for the text or reach for the learning because we have to, to prove ourselves. Um, our engagement is because we want to, and Jewish texts and Jewish thought is inspired. Yeah, I know. Talmud, Talmudic, and you got all that's that. right. <laughs> that's right. And then I, I, and then before I get a little bit more into the uh, the initiative, I'm just curious. You know, talking about you a little bit. Um, we're gonna get a little personal here. No, so growing up, you, know, <laughs> you were, you know, you were, you were, you you grew up around more, a more Jewish environment, I guess you'd say, than like the traditional black american environment right and did you have dealings with sort of both sides of your family yeah, what was I love that question i, I love I, that question. i really want to know about that okay so um the way i remember it is i was about seven years old and i was starting to go to religious school and it seemed like a very natural kind of part of my life we would walk up the hill from our western edition apartment up to this huge synagogue called Sheriff Israel, kind of at the top of a very affluent neighborhood in San Francisco. Yeah. And, you know, seven years old, that's just the cadence of my life. And when you're seven, you're not really introspecting on what's happening around you and yeah. what the context is telling you about yourself. When I was also seven years old, um, and I was raised in a single parent household, my mother had reached out to my grandparents, my father's parents in Texas. Um, and started to really nurture our relationship with that family. And so I need to credit my mother with that. Mm -hmm. And so when we were seven, we also started, me, my brother, and I started to get on an airplane most summers and most Christmas holidays. And I use Christmas in that term very specifically. Yeah. And we spend our time in Texas City, Texas. Mm -hmm. And so we have deep relationships with our family. I have deep relationships with my Texas family. I've spent multiple summers and Christmas holidays in Texas. And, um, you know, my, my experience, uh, aligning my black and Jewish identities probably started more with my grandmother of blessed memory, mm -hmm. who never, ever, ever, um, as a, as a strong black Baptist woman, never, ever, ever discredited my Jewish identity. Mm -hmm. Always allowed me to be black and Jewish and made space for me to be black and Jewish in our Texas homes. And always made sure the rest of our family understood that being Jewish was no was was not um it ranked, if you will. Yeah. Same way, you know, the Baptist faith ranked for our family. Exactly. And so we respected um our Jewish identity was nurtured. And um my aunt my aunt came to my bat mitzvah came up came from Texas and came to my bat mitzvah. 
Yeah. And my cousin came to my teenager's bat mitzvah. Yeah. And so we have multiple generations of that, of our Texas family showing up for our Jewish family and vice versa. And so it's, I, I didn't always feel this integrated. Yeah. Uh, but all of these things came together. And this is obviously a relationship. So this is a relationship that continues to today with that, with your, that family in the Texas. Absolutely. To the point where, um, I mean, I'll just offer and I, 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 you know, I don't know that we'll really want to get much into this, but uh, after the terrorist attacks, relatable to a lot of uh, after the terrorist attacks of October seven, yeah. my cousin texted me and asked me questions about Hamas, yeah. asked me questions about the Israeli, asked me questions about what was happening, yeah, uh, to make sure that we all continue to be in relationship, even when some sort of global issue, yeah. So now we're, you know, I feel very, very lucky that I get to be whole. As a black and Jewish person, yeah, and wh- I'm just—I mean, this is just more of a joke that you, you know, someone in um, from big cities would make in Texas City, Texas. Did they know about Jews? Was there a Jewish community? <laughs> oh no, I love that question. So Texas City, Texas is like about 45 minutes east of Houston. So you okay. fly Houston yeah. and then you drive out to Texas City, Texas. Texas City, Texas is a small city. Um, there's a number of, of Baptist churches. There are some white Methodist churches and sort of multiracial churches. Um, and I mean, I'm not sure I've ever met another Jewish person in Texas city, Texas. It's a really small town, but having said that, let me offer this. Um, my uncle Irvin of blessed memory, who was the first black procurement officer of Sterling oil in Houston, Texas. Um, when we would come, when I would come to Texas to visit, he made sure that we were knitted into the Jewish, the larger Jewish community outside of Texas City. Texas. Yeah. He connected us to Jewish members of his professional community. He connected us to their synagogue. He would invite us to have lunch with some of his Jewish friends from work. And so my family has always been extremely enlightened, um, extremely um, open, and has but I would say exceptional and extra effort into making sure when I was a little black Jewish girl in Texas City, Texas, that I had home among Jews as well as home among my Interesting. And then, um, and if you don't mind me asking, just for the listeners, your dad's no longer with us right now. Can you just, I don't want to get to too much personal stuff. I mean, you know, people have questions. They like to know these things. May I ask? So your dad's no longer with us? Exactly. Or... My father is, is deceased. Yes, he died when I was around 21. Okay. All right. Okay. So I want to know then, and then also, you know, we were talking about a little bit, you know, in the, on, in the Jewish community, um, you know, there's like, oh, there's Jews of color. So, you know, some people are still surprised. And then looking outside, obviously, your family in Texas, which, you know, it sounds they, you know, were open and, you know, interested too, like you're saying, Um, you know, taking a focus now, like on Black History Month and looking at, I always hate using the term community because nothing is really monolithic, right? Have you found in various Black communities in the U.S., surprise or what's been the reaction they're like oh, i mean not that i think i mean no i love this question i love this question like, or are they like oh sammy davis jr was black and jewish and that's as far as it goes <laughs> you know i had this wonderful experience in baltimore well i was in baltimore for about a week to do presentations about Jews of color and data and sort of rolling yeah. this all out and very quickly i made the mistake of picking up a, i had a, a car come to get me to the airport a taxi and it, I didn't, I went to the wrong hotel. 
I found myself standing outside of the Rob Hotel and there was a driver um, who saw me looking very confused and he pulled up and he said, like, clearly you have no idea where you are, where you're going. How can I? Yeah. Yeah. He said, jump into the car. I'll drive you across the road to the, to the right hotel. We started talking. This is African-American. We're starting to talk. He says, you know, would you like a driver for the week? Because I know you need to get around town. Yeah. And so we, we worked out an agreement and That's he nice. decided to, he would drive me for the week. So here he was driving me to the Associated of Baltimore, which is like the Jewish Community Federation, like headquarters for Jewish community building and relationship. I went to several synagogues with him during the week. My colleague, Rain Pryor, did the Devar Torah, a, a talk about the Torah to introduce me to a community that week. So after that last talk, I get back in the car. He says, you know, Eli, I got to tell you, I've been watching you all week. And here's what I want you to know. My daughter is marrying a Jewish guy. And I didn't know how I felt about it until I spent this week with you and your community. Yeah. You all are much more enlightened than I thought. I wasn't sure if Jews knew how racist you were around black folks, around not, did you, I didn't even know if Jews knew there were Jews of color. Black people, we know there are black Jewish people. Yeah. But I didn't know if white Jews knew there were black Jewish people. Yeah. And so I had all these questions about Jews that I had nobody to ask or answers to find. And after weeks with you, now, he said, now when Jews come to Baltimore and I pick them up at the airport and they wonder about the community, or they wonder where they can go, or they wonder kind of what kind of community relations are. Now I know that I can be an ally basically to your community. And now I know where Jews can go to feel safe or find community or networks. And he said, and now I feel much better about my daughter marrying this guy <laughs> because now I know the community. That's and so I, you know, I think like from my, my experience or first of all, most people of color know that there are diverse religious groups among us. And then there is something unique about kind of, you know, aligning religion with whiteness that flattens the reality of religion in the United States. And I think people of color, the same way I'd say like the queer community, maybe, for example, knows that that umbrella has a lot of diversity within. I think it's harder to see that diversity when you're standing in a monoracial context, a yeah. context where you're just thinking about whiteness. Mm -hmm. I also think that, um, you know, African-Americans, you know, or we, we have much more, uh, we have a much more expansive breadth of how we might see racial diversity. Mm -hmm. You know, we were told if you had one drop of blackness in you, you are black. Yes. Whether or not that's a, a good message, we know that black comes in a lot of different shades, if you will, and a lot of different hues. And I think sometimes white Jews or Jews who believe the community has been is reflected in whiteness. They just we have you know we have not effectively communicated to the Jewish community that there are just as many shades or hues of Judaism as there are when we think about race. Mm -hmm. And then if you were asked to, like, how would you describe yourself? Would you say, oh, I'm a black Jew. I'm a Jew. Yeah. I'm American. Like, you know, yeah. in a society that like, you know what I mean? That always, you know, has labels and all that sort of. Right. Stuff. No, I love that question. So if you were to ask me, um, so my teenager and I, we were filling out a survey here in Berkeley, California, and it was for the city of Berkeley and they were counting 
people of color, we are black. Yeah. Even though we are multiracial, we are black. We are holding it down and we are going to represent black identity and black demography when there's a paucity of black identity in both the health. Yeah. When I'm in a context where, you know, we're working with a population that identifies as white Jewish, then I'm clearly a black Jewish person and a Jewish person of color. Yeah. But I'm among my black community. I'm black and I also appreciate that I'm light skinned and I have light skin privilege. And that light skin privilege comes from the fact that my mother is white. Yes. And I I step back and try to manage that privilege relative to the lack of how that privilege expresses or is withheld from other people. And so, you know, like I, I'm always black, I'm always Jewish. Sometimes I'm biracial, sometimes I'm multiracial. Context matters. Um, my relation in terms of who has power doesn't and how I manage my own racial power. I'm very conscious of that. Being counted really matters. Um, and also me retaining my own power to self-identify however I choose, whenever I choose really And then let me ask, you know, so for the Jews of Color Initiative, you know, we're talking about, obviously, with Black History Month coming. You just briefly, I just want to ask, obviously, Jews of Color include, you know, all sorts of color, right? It's not just Black. There's Black, there's Brown, there's Asian, there's South Asian, all the sorts. So tell me about the Jews of Color Initiative, sort of how you're working across those various communities and what, you know, and what's the sort of common, I mean, the common thread is obviously you know, Jews of color, right? Either are there are there slight differences when you're working with you know black Jews, slight differences working with Asian Jews or stuff like that. I love that question. I mean, there are slight, there are and there are pronounced differences working across every group. Yeah, um, I think the thing that that connects us as Jews of color are one that we self-identify yeah. as having a racialized experience as Jews here in the U.S. and sometimes that racialized experience neatly grafts onto being black or Latinx or Asian or multiracial or native. Um, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes um, it's, it's, it's a member of our community who also identifies as Mizrahi or Sephardi. Maybe you're from the Middle East or North Africa or maybe you're from you know Spain or that region of the world. And so it's, it, it's sometimes seldom neat and tidy. But like the common thread is our self-identity as a Jewish person and as a person who identifies as non-white and racialized in the U.S. And for our work at the Jews of Color Initiative, the JOCI, I mean, it is the diversity re-expresses and newly expresses every day. We have a lunar, which is the Asian Jewish Collective. There is um, there is the Black Jewish Liberation Collective. There is Kamocha, which is Black Orthodox. There is Jutina Eco, which is the Latinx, Latin Latino community. Um, we have community in Hawaii. We have native and Jewish community participants and grantees. We have, um, the intersection of queer and race in terms of our community. And so I would say the way race expresses in the work that the Jews of Color Initiative helps support cannot be, um, there is no container that can neatly hold the diversity of the Jewish community in the United States, the racial diversity of the Jewish community in the United States. And our intention is to not create a boundary or a container that is so tight mm-hmm. that a Jew of color, someone who self-identifies as a Jew of color might not be able to get in or fit in. It is our job to continuously expand how we hold the community 
to be in service to the expansive identity of the community. Okay. So let's talk then about how the Jews of Color Initiative is doing. So let's focus on the three main areas. We have grant making, research, and community education. That's right. Okay. So let's talk grant making briefly. So what um, is the Jews of Color Initiative doing on the grant making front that's sort of, um, you know, benefiting Jews of Color here? I mean, we do usually in the last couple of years, we've done at least $700,000 a year in grant making. And that looks like 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 grants. And so like we want to hear from Jews of color who have ideas if you want a $500 grant or a $50,000 grant. Um, it might be a couple. It might be an intergenerational ritual process. It might be creating mikvah guides mm-hmm. who are Jews of color and supporting developing mikvah guides so that when people want to convert to Judaism and go through an orthodox conversion process, they have an option of having a mikvah guy who shares their experience, which is groundbreaking. We support and help develop um, a, a group around uh, rabbis who self-identify as Jews of color, um, who are either pulpit rabbis, um, activist rabbis, educational rabbis. Um, so the, you know, the work around the grant making can be around building a program. It can be around building an idea. And if you go to our website, just look at our grants making page. There are 30 or 40 organizations that we help support that are trying to meet you at any intersection of your Jewish identity. We have, we're supporting research at Rhodes University around the experience of Asian Jewish adopting. Um, and so, you know, if your work can help build infrastructure, relationships, policies, practices, ideas, data. You got the year. <laughs> we, we might have money for you. <laughs> and who's do, where does the where are the funds coming from? Like, is it just you know Jewish nonprofits? Is it like black nonprofits? Is it private donors? Or how does it work? We have the privilege of being supported by more than a dozen mostly institutional level funders who help build out the resources for our grant making and research programs and for the organization. And so we raise funds from um, funders who help fund big efforts and big projects um, or small efforts and small projects. And yes. so, um, but it's almost all institutional and philanthropic funds from a variety of resources and we have an amazing group of community members out there who have helped, who have, who have founded the Jews of Color Initiative, um, and who also support us as individual donors. Um, but we do we do well. And sorry, the Jews of Color Initiative basically is the only is it one of the only of its kind in the country, the largest. How do we give it some props here? Like, I think we run the only fund in the country for okay. Jewish people of color. Yeah. And so we founded this, we built it, and we host it. And we are, and it's the only fund of its kind in the country. Um, we are not the only people who commission research on Jews of color, but we have certainly helped commission, I like to use the word, the most potent yeah. research. And we have the biggest data sets of Jews of color in our research in U.S. in U.S. history. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and so, but there are lots of leaders and organizations doing work that are, that is JOC led and JOC focused. We are an, we are uh, an infrastructural partner out there and, um, we help hold a lot of that work for the country. Yes. 
And then I'm going to mention in the article, we're mentioning it, but what's the website? Because you mentioned the website. So give me the plug. What's the website? www.jewsofcolorinitiative.org. Okay. All right. Come visit us. We'll make sure. Okay. Let's go now to the other thing. You So research. And that sort of sounds like it dovetail a little bit into yes. the grant making as well, right? Yes. Um, so what, so is it just sort of like key findings you find about Jews of color in the United States? And no. I mean. You're a bit of an academic, I said. So this is an area you like. No, I love this question. We did not plan to be researchers. We were not like this was not our intention, right? We were going to help build a landing place, an infrastructural location for Jews of color in the United States. And so we started to do this work. And I went out and I was like, oh, here, Google, tell me about Jews of color. And Google was like, what? I have no data for you. And so we started to be, we couldn't, the World Wide Web had very little for us. And then there are some key research banks in the Jewish community in the United States. So we reached out to our colleagues and we asked them for data and they were like, we have no data for you. And so then we went to the Jewish federations and there's like 110 or 20 or 30 Jewish federations across the country. They're loosely kind of like the United Ways, but not really, but they do communal fundraising and fund allocation. They also are responsible for community study. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, aha. If I go to the federations, they will have good data for us because these are the people who study Jews and then they make allocations based on those numbers. So we went into those data sets and they don't ask about Jews. So it is because of that that we decided we must commission our own research and we will do the research and give it to the country. And so the first study was called Counting Inconsistencies and was a meta study. So we worked with the smartest people we know to look at the existing data and to glean from that data the numbers about Jews of color. We were able to come up with kind of a rough estimate of about 12 to 15 percent, but I would say just as importantly, we revealed in that study the terrible pedagogy of counting Jews. Yeah. And there was no consistent pedagogy so we could compare regions. Some communities would ask about um you know, would not even include questions. There was very few questions about uh, LGBTQ, no questions about Jews of color, sometimes questions about Sephardi and Mizrahi Jews. Sometimes they, ethnicity would be conflated, conflated with um, observation level or denomination. And so um, we gently dictated the demographers to shift how they count Jews. And yeah. so one of the big outcomes from that first study was really changing the pedagogy of how we count Jews in the United States. And it's not just us. I credit our colleagues at Pew, you know, our colleagues over at Brandeis, but it's been a kind of a, a big effort. But now, so now we count better. Yeah. And that's really important because when you count in, in the Jewish community, the counting of Jews results in communal allocation. Mm-hmm. It results in resource making. And so we need real numbers to help clarify how we should be allocating and sort of planning for our community. Our second study was called Beyond the Count. And there are 1,118 respondents in that data set. That's a very big data set. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have respondents from 47 states and Puerto Rico. And it looks at the experiences and the perspectives of Jews of color. Um, And in that data set, that's where we learn some of the difficult numbers around the experiences of Jews of color in terms of racism, for example, in the Jewish community. We also see in that data set uh, the level of education community engagement, commitment to Jewish life uh, among Jews of color. Um, And then we also see a call to action, I would say, for white Jewish communal leaders. Um, One of them, to me, one of the most powerful data points in that entire study is 
when you ask use of color for us to give feedback on how white leadership has responded to racism and racism, both in the United States and then racism in the Jewish community, Jews of color give Jewish communal leaders a higher score for how Jewish communal leaders have responded to racism outside of the Jewish community yeah. than inside the Jewish community. Interesting. And that is very deep. Mm-hmm. So that's about our research. Yeah. And then, and then what about, is there any research being done from black organizations? And I feel that'd be more difficult because the black population in the United States is so much larger than right. the Jewish population. So I almost think a smaller number is sort of easier for like the Jewish organizations to deal with. Like, I, I, I don't even know how you count that, those sort of things. I mean, so like there's some data at the intersection of, uh, looking at the demographics of U.S. Blacks and then kind of how U.S. Blacks break out religiously. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't, it's it's not an area of focus in that way. And so yeah. we don't have a lot of good data to use. You know, what I will say is we've been funding some micro-research projects centered in the Black community. There's something yeah. around um, the experience of Black Jewish women yeah. and the impact of um, when a Black Jewish woman is pregnant, the impact of having a doctor that reflects their racial experience, yes. their religious experience, and does it help uh, elevate the level of health for Black women having um, babies? We know in the U.S. Black women have are vulnerable to having um, uh, more issues with health care and vulnerabilities when pregnant and, 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 and giving birth. And so there are Black Jewish women asking this question of if we have a more reflective racial and religious experience around us when we're in, in pregnancy, will our health and outcomes be better? Yeah. Micro-research, but one deep and interesting questions that then we can learn from and create more research. And so we're funding micro-projects like that all around. Yeah, and there must be a big sort of, and I don't know if there's a collision of it, but the intersection of like anti-Semitism and racism. It's- absolutely, absolutely. So we have some, um, we have colleagues, for example, in Los Angeles, an organization called Judy and Princess, for example, and um, they do some work explicitly at the intersection of racism and anti-Semitism. Yeah. And then how do they intersect? I mean, how do they intersect? Like, oh, I mean, well, like historically, how do they intersect? Uh, how, you know, sociologically, like I'll take a couple bites at that apple. Yeah. First of all, how they intersect is, you know, and there's an organization called Mitsubi Collective, and they have some research coming out about how inside of Jews of Color, how racism is experienced physically mm-hmm. and how anti-Semitism for us mostly is experienced uh, psychologically. Interesting. So there's research both just also kind of about how it lands on a human and on a body. Wow. Um, racism and anti-Semitism intersect for Jews of color around white supremacy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for many Jews of color, we have deep interest in fighting anti-Semitism. We have deep interest in fighting racism. We have you know, a uh, commitment to not separating those two things or having them compete in fighting them. And we know, and many people beyond Jews of color know, um, that the one of the roots of that is white supremacy. Yeah. So we have to be unafraid to talk about and tackle white supremacy, mm-hmm. uh, even though for some white Jews or Jews to identify in that way, there is a worry and i know because you told me this not in data but yeah. you, you told me this yeah focus on racism and how you're afraid it's gonna um it's going to erode the commitment to anti-semitism 
for Jews of color, we can help uplift that if we tackle them together, we guarantee there's no competition and we all win. Yeah. All get to survive. And that's the goal. Because I guess conversely, there's also been moments in history when, you know, Jews and black Americans have also been completely together in the civil rights movement, right? You saw this um, right now with a lot of these rallies against anti-Semitism here in New York. We've seen pastors, you know, they team up. That's right. That's right. That's right. We have, you know, I mean, we have a shared history of being marginalized. It is not the same. Yeah. We have a shared history of being marginalized that we uh, we can understand. We can draw upon for strength and we can use as a foundation to commit that we don't want that experience to persist for either group, either one of us and for use of color for us as whole people. Yeah. And then, so then this goes into sort of, so the third aspect, as we talked about the grant making, the research, and then the community education, it really sounds like everything you're doing is, you know, it's a lot of educating. They're like everything from even grant making research, there's always educate. Like someone's being able. We're, all, we're always educating. And, um, you know, the JOCI team is committed to then taking all that we're learning from the grant making and from the research and from working in the field and actually making meaning of that and sharing it with the community because our job is also in some ways to be futurists and to be meaning makers. And so we have opportunities across the country as part of the JOCI to work with a collective of funders, for example, a collective of communal leaders and say, here's what we're seeing on the ground. And so something like every age of 12 weeks, we we get to work with a group of leaders and we talk about the intersection of what's happening for Jews of color and current events and current affairs. We talk about what it means, for example, um, the attack on DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion work, and what that might mean for the forwarding of the work of Jews of color in this country. We talk about the data a lot, David, and we talk about not only the current data, but the modeling of white, what might come yeah. in terms of those communal demographics so that we could be planful moving forward. And so our job is to take all of the data and then put it into some kind of intellectual structure and then reflect it back to the community so meaning can be made. And what sort of feedback, I mean, obviously everyone's going to love it, but like what sort of feedback do you get from the community? It's like, you know, you do this, you know, incredible work. There's, you know, so much research and grant making. I mean, you're doing a lot for, you know, a lot of these communities and stuff. What's just sort of, you know, what do you hear from people, from Jews of color in the country when they see your work, what you're doing? Are they just like, Thank you. You know, someone thinking of us working on our behalf, getting the message out. Well, like, what kind of vibe do you hear? And have no shame. Yeah, no, I mean, so I'll do it on a couple of levels. Yeah. One is, I mean, in terms of the grant making, we hear back the empower, the, the, we have been the first funder for many organizations and they have been knocking at the door of, of other funders for some amount of time. And no one's opened that door. And we have opened that door. And not only have we said, yes, we will give you money, but we want you to succeed. And how else can we help you? You can do this. It's right on. And you got this. Yeah. And so we get feedback from our grantees that says, like, without that push and that enthusiasm and the confidence you had in us when nobody else did, we wouldn't have been able to get our organization established or this project established. And we're so grateful for that feedback because that's the point, right? Like, if we weren't doing that, then we would not be doing our jobs. We would not be doing it well. And we're really grateful for that feedback. We hear um, on a very regular basis the importance of the data. And people tell us, like, we've used this data in this setting or that setting or in this presentation. 
when I was doing a, a request for grant making or when I had, when someone says, how many Jews of color are there? Or what have the experiences been? And you give us data to draw on. And so the power of data in a community where data is a currency of the realm is extremely, extremely important. And so we get great feedback about that. Um, the community engagement piece. And if you look at the data, the number of Jews of color who have lived a life where we have not seen reflections of ourselves is a very deep reality to hold. And so when we have the privilege of, of convening people and Jews of color walking into a room mm-hmm. and for the first time having a whole room that looks like this, yeah. I have a very well-known rabbi help open a community event in New York City a very well-known New York City-based rabbi who is a person of color who helped open one of our programs in New York City. She walks into the room and she gets up to the front of the room and she looks out and she just kind of stopped for a second. Mm -hmm. And she said like, oh my goodness, like for the first time I have walked into a room that looks like it's supposed to look like an engineer. Is she Asian? They may be Asian, but like, I'm just going to be there. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they walked into the room and the room was like half people of color, half Jews of color, half white folk. And it was like, it washed over them the power of looking out and seeing a room that looks like it's supposed to look. Yeah. Had a natural environment. And that was very powerful at all. And which is a very quick anecdote, which is I just came home from LA yesterday. We had an event. In Los Angeles, where we ho- helped host um, Michael Twitty, James Beard Award-winning Michael Twitty, who is a um, author, historian, chef, Jewish educator, incredible human, um, and we got about twenty-five people in the room, and Michael cooked us dinner, and then gave a talk, and um, there was a colleague in the room that came particularly because of the event that the invitation and the colleague was working the event and helped support the event joined the dinner and we're sitting um the whole evening had come to an end we had about two minutes left we were making announcements jordan daniels one of our fine junior program officers makes an announcement about rolling out more grant opportunities i add to jordan's announcement that we're going to do some leadership grants for this group because I can see everybody. We, we heard that there's a need for some leadership. Yeah. The colleague who came to work the event listened to Michael Twitty talk and drop wisdom on us and love on us, listened to our staff talk about our grant opportunities, leans over and says, I need a, I need a leadership. And he then said to the whole group, it, it was like, it's not until hearing everybody talk where I realized where I was tonight and that this organization can be this group specifically for people like he came to work the event and he will now join our professionals network as a member of our community. That's great. Yeah. And he didn't know. Because he just hadn't been steeped in this larger conversation that the work that we do it was for him. And so like any time I can be in a space and we can be in a space where a Jew of color, somebody who identifies that way, kind of bumps into our own community naturally. Like may we all be so lucky and like what a holy experience to be able to do that for that colleague. 
it must feel very fulfilling for you really to sort of, you know, it offers up, it offers a place for these people to see people like you're saying, you know, to be involved with this. It is the most satisfying thing. And it kind of also makes me feel a level of confidence. I mean, I feel incredible confidence in the JOCI staff yeah. um, who actually make all of these things happen. Yeah. That makes me, I mean, and look, I'm 51 years old and, you know, we are making the world not for me. Right. We are not making the world for me. We're making the world for people to come and for my own teenager who's 18. And it makes me feel like, okay, like maybe I can step back a little bit. Yeah. You know, and makes me kind of emotional. Maybe I can step back. And this whole JOCI team has created something that has its own physics and its own power and use of color and our community. We are incredible. And this Jewish community. The, the entire community is incredible. Um, and my goal is to have the physics have enough natural kinetic energy that it, you know, it can, it can move forward, you know, at some point without me. And I get, and I'm seeing that happen, Vince Geeky says. Well, hold on. You're only 51, but you know, <laughs> you know, and I know though, like, so what is your biggest hope for your work and like, you know, multicultural and multi faith? But relations going forward? I mean, on a very technical level, I would like to know that we have systems and structures in place inside the U.S. Jewish community where we can ensure in perpetuity that there is equitable funding and resource support for all Jews, right? And I say all Jews beyond the capacity of us defining ourselves because you know, like my teenager doesn't self-identify the way I identify. Like if, you know, the babies to come are not going to self-identify the way you and I identify. And so we need to like create structures that are, that transcend our small minds, my small mind. Um, and I hope the infrastructure that the JOCI is helping to build with a lot of partners out there can exist in perpetuity in ways that are flexible and expansive. Um, you know, I see and I imagine and I have been in spaces that are multiracial and Jewish and thriving. And, you know, like 25% of U.S. Jewish families are multiracial. Like this is a, this, and that number gets bigger every day. And so like, I believe we all want to be in community together. I believe that we want this community to thrive Jewish and otherwise of color, beyond of color, and it's going to take all of us. And so, like, I am hoping the work that we're doing at the JOCI is knitting us together in some sort of meaningful and loving way um, that can be sustained over time. And, I mean, here's what I'm going to say about myself and my kind of personal leadership trajectory. In, like, 20, what is this, 2024, maybe 12 years ago, 13 years ago, I can't totally remember right this second. Um, but I had the privilege of serving as a program officer at the San Francisco Jewish Community Federation on Endowment Fund, and they taught me how to how to make grants. Yeah, and um, it's an art to understand. So I understand. <laughs> yeah, and um, there was some I can't remember which horrible murder of an unarmed black man um, that had happened. Sometime there were a number in my in my years in that office, and there was like a Black Lives Matter mark kind of coming down Market Street in San Francisco. Though, and our office was right down there, and there was no enthusiasm for us going to the march as a staff. That's for sure. 
And I was not really that well supported as a black person in that space. It was a very complicated time. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting in my office, kind of peering out the window and thinking to myself, like, we're sitting in an organization that has $2 billion in assets that we're stewarding, depending on what funds you're looking yeah. at. We're in charge of making allocations to improve and strengthen, strengthen reduce the Jewish community. There's all this racism out there. Jews of color are nowhere to be seen in ours. And I just said to my, I literally said to myself, if I could just do something to make a connection between Jewish community philanthropy and racism, I walked on something good in the world. Yeah. And so, like, I, you know, the JOCI is some expression of that commitment I made in that office, you know, more than a dozen years ago. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, my commitment right now is to make sure that I make good on, on that, on that promise of, of realizing that dream. Well, it seems like you are. Okay. And I have one final question. Yeah. You know, work right now, but you know, hey, you're a bi-coastal initiative. So just tell me briefly, what's this New York hub about that I hear you have? I saw it on the website. Yeah, no, no, we love, like, New York is our, um, is our second home. Yeah. And what I mean by that is, you know, we were only, we're only Bay Area, California based because I happen to live here. It's not for any other reason. <laughs> and, you know, we have had a tremendous partnership from the UJA Federation New York, who was one of the very early partners of supporting our delivering our data to the community. Okay. And um, they asked us to help think about how can we help convene Jews of color New York in a meaningful way. Yeah. And so we, the hub, the spirit of the hub is we have fellowships that run in and out of that environment where we have paid experiences for Jews of color to be trained in professional spaces, to build networks and relationships. And then if you want to work in those spaces, we're going to work really hard to help you make that dream a reality. We help support incubators, and so we help build out concepts and ideas, resource those experiences for people, and make grants around that. Um, we have a professionals network, and that professionals network meets like every eight weeks, I think, or something like that. Like we can, you know, if you come to the website, you'll see it, where we can be Jewish community members who happen to be Jews of color, who are also community professionals, and then like speakers, leaders, opportunities, and we help resource that and make that happen. Um, we have a staff member out there or two or three, depending on the day or week. Um, we have grant programming that comes out of there and, um, we want to see you. And so, um, the hub is a network environment and we help move resources in and out and are a touch point for Jews of color who want to be connected in the New York area. All right. That's great. Yeah. This is definitely the place. And with Black History Month coming, a sort of cheesy question, but what does Black History Month mean to you? Does it mean, do you think it means anything different as a Jew of color? Or like, what does it mean to you? Just celebrating and acknowledging just your, you know, you you, you know, your multi-racial background or what? I don't want to, I don't know. Look, does it mean anything different? I mean, not. You know, Black History Month means to me that we get to pause and even further elevate black culture, black excellence, black connectedness, black collectiveness. For us at the JOCI, it means about celebrating our grantees who help advance uh, Jews of color and black Jewish community members. And like I mentioned earlier, organizations like Kamoha, the Black Jewish Liberation Collective, um, which uh, which uh, is based in New York, and they both have t- uh, resource. Yeah, I mean, they have uh, headquarters in New York. Yeah. Um, it's about celebrating black expression of Jewish life. 
It means that um, we will connect and collect as Black Jews and create spaces where our Jewishness is unapologetically expressed as part of our Blackness and vice versa. Um, and what it means for me is also recognizing like a month, just like their Jewish history month coming up in the spring, you know, like we need to, to, we need our communities, our cultures to predominate every month. We need to, you know, and so it's also a reminder. It's how far we come and how far we have to go. Someday I hope every month has so many facets of culture and community in it yeah. that we are learning about each other in a constant and sort of dynamic basis. But until then, we will take that away. Wins actually had a podcast called Beyond Black History Month. That's right. And that's, that's a, right. I think that's a nod to what you're saying, right? That everything should be like that. All right. This was incredible. Alana, CEO of Jews of Color Initiative. Alana Kaufman, thank you so much for speaking um, with me. And 1010 Wins, um, if anyone wants to know more about it, please go to JewsOfColorInitiative.org. That's JewsOfColorInitiative.org where you will find everything about it. Thank you so much, Alana. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.